from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Women at Work on Business Radio. Here is your host, Laura Zarrow. Welcome to Women at Work and our ongoing conversation about how we can help more women join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace, which I have to tell you feels more important today than ever before. I'm Laura Zarrow and your host for today's discussion of this year's election. Like many Americans, I'm still processing my own emotional responses to the outcome. As you can imagine, I had really hoped and actually expected to be celebrating the election of our first woman president with you today. But instead, I'm trying to figure out what this particular loss means for women at work. How will this affect our efforts to create a more diverse and inclusive workforce? Will Hillary's loss slow the advancement of other women into leadership roles? And what will Trump's success and behavior teach boys about how to behave as men? And what on earth will this all mean for our daughters? There are clearly lots of complicated questions, which is why I'm particularly glad that I'm going to be joined by Professor Jane Hall for today's show. She's been with us before, and you may remember, she's an expert in the realm of media and politics, a former Fox News Channel media commentator. She's also a professor of journalism and media studies in the School of Communication at American University. But before I welcome Jane back to the show, I have a question for you. What does this all mean to you? What do you think it means for women at work? Give us a call. We'd really love to have you join in the conversation. Our phone number is 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Did you, like me, take your daughters into the voting booth with you? Did the morning start as a moment of pride? And how are you talking with your daughters now about the outcome of the election? We'd really love to know. Once again, you can reach us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's one 844 Nine four two seven eight six six. So as you ponder these questions, we're going to start talking about them. Um, as I mentioned, Jane Hall, professor of journalism and media studies at American University and former Fox News Channel commentator, is joining us today. Um, she is also the executive producer of American Forum Radio and TV series in Washington, D.C. Um, she was here with us a few months ago to talk about her powerful New York Times op-ed piece where she talked about the Roger Ailes case um, and the subsequent conversation we had with her about it and all of its related issues. So she was fabulous, and I'm really grateful to have her back with us today so that we can sort out some of these particularly complicated questions. So, Jane, with all that, welcome back. We are really grateful you're with us today. Oh, well, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed being on with you before, and I can't say I'm glad to be here today exactly, <laughs> but I am certainly interested to be here today. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I think that's pretty good, so thank you. Um, I know you've had a very busy 24 hours, mm-hmm. um, which makes your being with us even that much more of a gift. Um, but before we talk about your professional perspective on all of this, do you mind my asking, what does this mean to you personally? Well, you know, I I don't normally get into my own personal politics, but I have I can tell you that, um, you know, my daughter went to the polls for the first time yesterday, and I think that she was expecting to be voting in a historic way, and she and her friends are quite disturbed. Um, They are looking at this election, and they are wondering what it means for them. Uh, They wonder what it means about women. They wonder what it means about minorities, mm-hmm. and frankly, it's it's a little hard to be discouraging. I mean, all I've been able to do is say that most people that I know, which is probably part of the problem, <laughs> most people that I know are shocked. Yes. Uh, and I think a lot of people voted for uh, Donald Trump um, in a way that they weren't 
exactly telling pollsters that they were. I mean, it's very complicated. We can talk about that. But mm-hmm. just personally, um, you know, I think I think that as a woman, um, I think that, you know, Hillary Clinton's quest for this was would have been historic, uh, is still historic, as yes. Tim Kaine said about it. Um, but, you know, it's very hard to separate um, these results from Donald Trump's rhetoric. And I think that's why a lot of women are depressed today. Um, which Donald Trump we're going to get is a question. Uh, yes. But you raise the question of our daughters, and there's just no way that for women and for men uh, as parents, uh, what he said and what he was seen saying, uh, there's no way that that is a good thing for girls' self-esteem, and then there's no way it's a good thing for boys in terms of how they should treat women. Um, it's it's fairly shocking. Um, you know, I think we have to separate and look at the results and not assume that it means that the entire United States is, is misogynistic, uh, but there's obviously a lot of work to do, uh, I think, uh, in terms of of a woman for president and misogyny in this culture. And one of the things that's really discouraging, frankly, to me is I've been looking at the exit polls, and um, this was indeed a rebellion, I think, by um, people who felt left out by globalization. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that she got college-educated, um, a certain slice of of uh, women, uh, but she did not. Let me let me start that again. He got, you know, it, we're very divided in terms of gender. He yes. got a lot of um, men who do not have a college education. But the exit polls show that her lead was substantial among non-white voters, but it wasn't enough to make up for the difference. And in fact, a lot of women, white women, voted for Donald Trump. I can read you some of the statistics. Uh, now, these may be proven to be wrong. Exit polls are not perfect, but a lot of white men opted for Trump over Clinton, mm-hmm. but a lot of white women uh, voted 53% for Trump and 43 for Clinton. Among non-college-educated whites, 67 voted for Trump, 72% of men, and 62% of that group of women. So I think we have a, 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 a lot of work to do. I mean, he was seen as the change candidate, and even people in these polls who said that they were worried about him voted for him. Yes. I mean, there uh, is— And it's very hard to separate, you know, because she— she did damage to her own candidacy with the with the email server, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you can't discount the FBI directors coming out and and saying they were going to reopen this for for a few minutes. That a lot of damage was done to her by that, but it, it's so hard to separate her gender from her her track record. But to say lock her up, uh, I've never seen uh, one candidate say that about another, and I can't help but believe that is misogyny. Oh, and there's. There's so much in what you just said, Jane, so I'm going to try and break it apart into some chunks because um, there's, it's all so important. I want to start actually with that misogyny. Um, it's clearly misogynist, but there was also a kind of rhetoric that it unleashed, which is something I'm particularly worried about because of how it carries through in things like social media, into public discourse, into our schools. Mm-hmm. Um, these were just a few samples of paraphernalia. Um, that was for sale at the various rallies. Pins and T-shirts that said, don't be a pussy, vote for Trump in 2016. 
Mm. Trump 2016, finally someone with balls. Trump that bitch. Hillary sucks, but not like Monica. I don't mean to be rude, but these were things that people were, were manufacturing, selling, buying, and wearing mm. in the context of selecting a president. It is so overtly and frighteningly misogynist. Well, it is. And, you know, the fact that Michelle Obama said she was shaken to her core by the Access Hollywood tape, you know, I I think that part of what is true about Donald Trump is, and I'm not original in saying this, but that he he made things that we wouldn't say uh, publicly uh, able to be said publicly. Right. Uh, And, you know, I'm just struggling with the fact that I, I can't believe that this many people harbor the kinds of views that you're describing. I, but it, he seems to have stoked and amplified a view of, of women. You know, there are a lot of people who think that, I mean, when she ran in 2008, there was the Hillary Clinton nutcracker. and But that, right. was, that, was, that wasn't at a rally. I mean, what he did not do was put it down. He did not uh, say to people, that's not okay to say. No, and, uh, and, and and clearly made it that he was not a standard bearer. And in fact, in his pride about eradicating political correctness, mm-hmm. opened the floodgates for really insulting discourse. Well, and see, even the phrase political correctness is a cover for, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, racism. Yes. And uh, bigotry. And, you know... E- I think one of the things we should say, Laura, because it does help put it in context, is the research that I've been doing about this as a global trend, uh, separate from the misogyny. But, you know, there are people who feel that this is part of a global trend of people feeling they had a place in the world mm-hmm. uh, and they are being displaced. And, um, you know, I have, I mean, the the, the strong feminist uh, critique is that men are, you know, white men are no longer ruling the world, that the world is getting uh, more diverse, that women are moving ahead, that this is a reaction to that. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not willing to say that, but it certainly is true. I think you can say without, without uh, being contradicted that he did not, he, he had this attitude. I mean, he's sort of a hyper testosterone (laughs) guy, you know, and macho and never backing down and doubling down and going up against elites. I mean, he's part of a whole tradition of populism. I mean, Bernie Sanders tapped into some of the same anger, but Bernie Sanders did not tell you that women were there for, you know, for uh, other people's pleasure. No. I mean, he, he, um, there was, it it was the populist in that Bernie was advocating for individual voices and opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was never about this kind of unbridled masculinity, this dominant role of white men, and this intense objectification of women. Yes. So with that, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been, you know, talking around it. But when we consider Hillary's loss, how much of it do you think was that she's a woman, that it was this woman or it was this politician. Well, those those are those are three very good aspects of of a question and three questions uh, because, and I mean that sincerely. You know, she um, a lot of people felt it's very hard to separate her gender from her career as a politician. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say, uh, 
it's all, I think it's almost impossible. I mean, she's been on the public scene for 30 years. He used her 30 years of experience against her. Uh, many people, I think, are going to say that she did not make the case for why people should be for her. And again, were they not able to be for her because she's a woman? Were they mm-hmm. not able to be for her because they found her untrustworthy? Did they find her untrustworthy because she's a woman? I mean, you can make yourself crazy. I do think, to be to be fair, um, her candidacy uh, was marred by not really making, you know, other than saying he was terrible, which mm-hmm. she, I think, felt forced to do. She said she had a lot of uh, programs and positions. I mean, I had heard from people that she was, they were concerned she was going to run too wonky a campaign. I think right. she would have been <laughs> happy to talk about the issues, but I think she felt cornered. And then this email thing, I mean, many, many people in these exit polls said this bothered them a lot. And unfortunately, a symbol like that is something that people seize on. Um, and also, I think, the, you know, realizing uh, that she had made speeches for a lot of money to Wall Street, um, you know, that and sort of pulling back and looking at the Clinton Foundation, which which has done an enormous amount of excellent work. Yes. But, you know, pulling that back with embarrassing emails that seem to sort of talk about Clinton, Inc. I mean, there are people who just, I think, um, are, were tired of her and, and did not probably really even know her. I mean, I thought her biographical uh, uh, film that was made, you know, that, yes. that showed her... Well, you we know, played at showed the convention. Her, um, Working with, I mean, she tried, and I think she did succeed to people who were already predisposed to her, in showing that she had worked for children and families her whole her whole career. Somehow they've just been encrusted with, you know, a lot of a lot of awful things thrown at them and thrown at her. And you know, you do have to wonder: is it because she was a woman? I mean, Bill Clinton was accused of of, you know terrible treatment of women and somehow people were blaming her <laughs> right for and, Monica Lewinsky or, and, or they were blaming her for, for standing by him and it's just such a it's so hard to parse because Melania Trump stood by Donald Trump and no one said she should leave Donald Trump right or, you know? bl- or blamed her for it by the way I'm talking with Jane Hall who is an expert in media and politics former Fox News Channel media commentator and professor of journalism and media studies at the School of Communication at American University this issue of who we blame and who we let off the hook where mm-hmm. do we really um, lay responsibility and by the way if any of you would like to join in the conversation we absolutely would love to have you join us it's 1-844-WHARTON that's 1-844-942-7866 and tell us how are you processing the election results um yeah so where do we put responsibility and there's this interesting way that everyone's freed trump from responsibility for um his sexual harassment Mm -hmm. yet um, in and in what I thought was actually a very crafty campaign move, spun it to then go sour on Hillary. <laughs> and it seemed like the campaign was run like the best schoolyard bully would handle the smartest kid in the class. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, when she and, and again, you have to keep in mind, and I know you will and are that, you know, she won the popular vote. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like the whole country's been taken over by this. <laughs> right. His, I think what was toxic about, about and toxic and very successful about his campaign was just what you said. I mean, one one wonderful writer uh, for the Washington Post said that he was like before the debates that he was. Well, I guess when he when he fumbled in the debate that he was like the high school slacker who was out there, you know, smoking and drinking, and she was in the library preparing and. You know, she turned that to her advantage. I mean, she did very well in the debates. I, I think the Comey letter probably hurt her more mm-hmm. than we know, although one of the other interesting things is people had made up their minds in, in, in some of the exit poll material that I've seen in September. That's um, what I had seen, too. And so that I think some of it goes back to ways that people either did or didn't like her. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, Oprah said something very funny where she said, people say, you know, I don't like her. And she said, she's not coming to your house. <laughs> right. Except Which we- I just loved because, again, that whole, you know, we're trying to parse out something. I think that whole I don't like her, what does that mean? I mean, people who didn't like Donald Trump, I, that's not the automatic thing that people say. And it does make you wonder if... If a woman who was powerful, mm-hmm. um, you know, is she not likable? Well, I mean, it, research shows us this, that as women grow in power and responsibility, they decrease in their likability. Mm. And that we have a very conflicted, ambivalent sexism that goes on, mm-hmm. um, where we have a kind of hostile sexism that gets applied to women when we turn them into objects and sexually assault them and view them as being there purely for man's pleasure or purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also have a benevolent sexism where we see women as tender, emotional, good mothers, um, people who should be protected and cared for, and that when women defy that norm and they become independent, strong, the caretaker, um, they stop being likable. It also mm. undermines the 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 role of two predetermined genders of one taking care of and one being the one one's doing the caretaking and one's taking care one's being cared for, mm-hmm. and it implies a kind of power hierarchy and it's embedded in so many of our relationships and it's part of what's behind um, why women have such a hard time being assertive and being accepted when they're in charge. And we've seen it. I think we've seen it play out across the whole election, because like you said, nobody cared if he was likable. Because we don't look for that in our male leaders. Well, you know, it's so I think the other thing that you have to throw in and I'm fascinated by what you're saying is his celebrity Mm -hmm. and his seeming refusal to, quote unquote, back down. I mean, (laughs) he. Uh, again, you can't imagine um, this being the case with with a woman. I just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can't think of another example. I mean, obviously there have been women who've been very strong military leaders. I mean, Golda Meir, you know. Uh, I don't know if, if, if that's a good analogy, but, you know, there have been women. And the other thing is in this country, we, we are so slow. I mean, there are a lot of women who've been running yes. countries. Uh, but I think I think what's really scary almost is that his celebrity uh, and his anti-elitism, I think, inoculated him. Uh, and also, you know, people, if you're if you're down, um, his saying, I'm a big success. You can you know, you can be like me. Um, 
obviously that was that was something that people identified with. So I mean, unfortunately, I think he has a a pretty volatile mix of celebrity and a very canny understanding of television. I mean, Without I think- a doubt. Um, Jane, I hate to interrupt you, but we have Anthony calling from Michigan. Um, Anthony, thank you so much for calling Women at Work. What's on your mind? Good afternoon, ladies. Fantastic show. I'm thank still you. having a hard time processing the election results. I, I, I can't, I still can't come to grips with pretty soon we'll be calling him President Trump. Knowing everything we know about the guy, everything that we heard, his lack of specifics for his platform, I I just can't believe that this actually happened. And and I looked back and I said, okay, did he actually want to be president? Did he get into the race as kind of a joke? I wondered the same thing. Was he looking for publicity? Is he that much of a narcissist? (laughs) And then... He said, eh, I'll just play around and, and, and get my name out there. And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I'm still in it. I'll just play around with these guys. I mean, he's calling basically the other candidates' wives ugly, and he's making fun of, of a disabled person. I mean, they just totally disregarded all of this, and I don't see what the attraction was to his candidacy. He didn't give any specifics of how he's going to make America great again. Anthony, I couldn't agree with you more. Jane. Well, you know, I I think there's so much in there. I mean, I, I do think that the Republican Party and the media completely underestimated him. Why he decided to run, I don't know. I mean, you know, it may have been uh, a lark. It may have been because he was and is a narcissist. Um uh, you know, people were saying if he lost, what was he? What was he going to do? I mean, that he, would it be? It would be very hard for him to even deal with that. My guess is that he may have just had an extraordinary kind of sense of uh, of once he got out there with his message. You know, he's the guy that started the birther movement, which is very racist against President Obama. Mm-hmm. The idea that he is illegitimate is just right in there, and I think. You know, I think he, Trump has an extraordinary sense of what plays in the media, and I think the media, the cable news media, just, you know, by going and asking people, what do you think of this horrible thing he said of, about you, you know, he, they just, they played right into it. And then I think people began to realize that he had a, a real shot. Every political operative I've talked to has said no one thought he was going to get this far. Uh, and part of it was he had 16 16 uh, people running in the primary, and you know he he stood out. And uh, I think he I think his understanding of social media is one thing we're going to look back on, and his bullying you know mm-hmm. kind of works with the bullying culture that we have in in media today. And then now he's aligned himself with the so-called alt right. Um, I just I think he was underestimated for a, for a good long while in there, and then when the scrutiny got to be more on him, he inoculated himself by saying, "Well, you know, that's just the liberal media." So I mean, what a neat trick! Whatever was said, yeah. I mean, the the New York Times and the Washington Post have been doing stories for a while on him, but um, I just I think there's this. I mean, it's really extraordinary to think that he could be seen as a champion of of blue collar workers, you know, of 
I don't think his tax programs are going to benefit poor people. I may be wrong about that. (laughs) I'm hoping that we're wrong about a lot of things. Unfortunately, I don't think we are. Anthony, thank you first and foremost for your outrage and passion, but also for listening and for calling in. I really do appreciate it. If any of you would like to join us in the conversation, you can give us a ring at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And I'd like to thank Joe from New Jersey. Joe, welcome to Women at Work, and thanks for calling. Uh, thank you for picking up. So can what's you on your okay? mind? Yeah, we can hear you great. Okay, I loved your opening, uh, by the way, Laura. I love this show. Oh, uh, thank you. What a what a perfect time. And so I guess we've all been building for this moment, this show. And I was that father that took his daughter first thing yesterday morning, crossed the bridge, took her to another state to vote, talked about her thrill of it, the empowerment, and um, went through the evening and texting and social media and up and feeling her pain. So if you're sitting like you are in front of a group of girls, young ladies, we'll say from 25 to 30. What is the best hope you can give them to keep the fire going? Because I just tried to explain to her that in a defeat like this, not to give it up, that it's actually you can turn it into a victory, that even I'm trumped out, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm all out of that. That's done already. <laughs> you have to move forward. So what does she do now? What do they continue to do so that there's that hope yet? There is a glass ceiling that they can still go to. Joe, it's, a, it's an important question. Jane, what do you think? Well, you know, I've been wrestling with the same thing myself. Um, what do I tell my daughter? I mean, I, I decided I, I should tell her how I feel and, you know, share my feelings um, because you don't want to go, oh, buck up, <laughs> you know. But um, I don't really know except that I thought that President Obama um, made – a, you know, a very good point to say, I, I can imagine that he must, you know, feel pretty devastated at, at being out there campaigning and trying to hand off to her his legacy. Um, but he said, you know, the progress is not straightforward. And so, you know, most most people who analyze what's been going on in our culture do say it's a cultural backlash of people who have felt disenfranchised. So, you know, maybe all the changes that have come in the last 50 years, you know, same-sex marriage and LGBT and and a lot of other things, and also just a general uh, – I mean, I think we've awakened to – to uh, gender as a topic, I mean, that probably is a good thing. Uh, And (laughs) fathers, you know, and, 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 and girls, um, you know, can, can assume that their, their daughters can, can um, do well. I mean, I don't think this means girls can't do well in the, in the workplace, but in terms of social activism, I I guess the only thing you can say is you're not giving up, you know, you're not giving up the fight, which is what Obama said. I think he was trying to take the long view and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe a lot of working class people were not brought along by the political parties. It certainly seems that that's the case. I, I mean, Joe Biden, you know, was, was a real hero and from Scranton, PA and working class. I mean, maybe, maybe there is something to be looked at. Um, and, but as far as girls and empowerment, I mean, I would just say, don't give up, you know. And Absolutely. Don't go backwards. And Joe, I, I so appreciate, A, your sensitivity to the issue 
Um, you're sharing the moment with your daughter, and you're reaching out to ask the question. Um, when we get back, we're going to talk about this and more and how, as Gloria Steinem said, even if Hillary had won, there would still be so much work to do. I'm Laura Zarrow here with Women at Work. Our guest today is Jane Hall, and we'll be back in a moment. In the meantime, if you want to give us a call, we'd love to have you join the conversation. 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Laura Zarrow. Welcome back to Women at Work and today's conversation about how we make sense of the campaign, the election results, and what it means for how we help women join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm Laura Zarrow, still processing all of this myself, and uh, I've had as our guest who's joining us again in the second half hour, Jane Hall, um, who's really helping us make sense of this. Jane is an expert in the realm of media and politics, a former Fox News Channel media commentator. She's also a professor of journalism and Media Studies in the School of Communication at American University. Um, we'd love to have you join the conversation. Really, give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. We really want to know, what does this mean for you? What does this mean for your kids? How are you making sense out of it? Jane, welcome back to Women at Work. Well, thank you, and I think it's Wonderful that it's been men who are calling in. <laughs> Me too. And we have a whole bunch of callers ringing us up. So I'm going to take one right off the bat. Um, Terry's calling from Detroit. Terry, thanks so much for calling Women at Work. What's on your mind today? Well, thank you for having me. I'm having a difficult time making sense of all this just because of the words and that came out of his mouth and how misogynist he is in addition to racist and everything else. But what also disturbs me is that how, I mean, this is really a question, how could 99% of all the pundits be so wrong? They most predicted a Hillary landslide and the reverse happened. And, you know, so I think a lot of us are unprepared for this massive letdown. And I wondered if that maybe rallied the pro-Trump people and maybe left some of the pro-Hillary people you know, at home instead of going to the the voting booths. I just wondered what your opinion was. Jane, what do you think? Well, you know, the the polling was all wrong. And, you know, it does make you feel like you're part of a of a bubble. I never I always thought that, you know, because I was from Texas and still talk to people outside of D.C. that I, I wasn't part of a bubble. But we were all, you know, looking at the polls. And I think I think it's entirely possible that people didn't come out Um uh, you know, people were discouraged and found both of these candidates not people that they were that enthusiastic about. I mean, we do need to keep that in mind. A lot of people uh, were voting, you know, again, whether that's because Hillary was a woman or not is, is what we were talking about earlier. But a lot of people were not voting wildly enthusiastically for Donald Trump. I mean, the, the hatred for Hillary is is what we've been trying to get at. But but to the question of polling, the pollsters are now saying that a lot of people didn't were not reachable, uh, which is a problem in polls. Uh, you know, it's very hard to reach uh, a big sample of people today. And also, they may not have sampled enough people from rural areas and also people who might not have, you know, wanted to talk about their support for Trump. There's this thing called the social desirability factor, which means people may not say they're for Trump. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that people who were at rallies for Trump had any problem in being out there for him. But, I mean, if you look at the statistics on 
on who voted for him. Um, I mean, the number of women who voted for him is really something to be thinking about. The number of white women, um, Jean, that was missed. Uh, people thought that there was mm-hmm. such a huge uptick, and, and there was such a huge uptick in the Latino vote. Um, and uh, people thought that would work for him. He got nearly 30% of the Latino vote. Apparently got a lot of Cuban uh, Americans, at least, again, I've been what I've been reading in Florida, um, were conservative uh, politically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's astonishing to me. Jane, <laughs> I have a related that. question, building off of, you know, where Terry was pointing out how the pundits all got it wrong. Yeah. Um, there's also another dynamic in this, which is also the power of social media in this campaign mm-hmm. versus traditional press and media. You know, mm-hmm. I read um, the editorials of the major newspapers, every word that the New York Times put out, which mm-hmm. for me is a source of tremendous influence, has been my whole life. Um, but I got the impression that despite what our major, the people that we've societally trusted over the years to make sense of information for us were pushed aside by social media, and it was going into people's own hands. Do you think that at all is a factor in this? Well, I think I think that's absolutely a factor, and I think that the anti-intellectual, anti-elitism also played out against the New York Times in the sense that that they didn't speak to enough people who represented a broader swath of this country. I mean, I think journalism organizations are going to be looking at whether they completely missed the story and missed this trend. Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally did not hear people speaking, you know, about, I mean, they missed Bernie Sanders, too. I mean, they're at least initially, I, you know, I didn't hear people speaking in the media. You know, I have a lot of friends who are journalists. I did not hear them speaking with contempt about Sanders supporters. I think maybe they didn't know any Sanders right. supporters. Right, and they and because they didn't know them, they didn't take them seriously. Well, and just you know, and again, the the punditry. I mean, to to your caller's point, the punditry uh, was allied with the establishment in the political parties. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought Jeb Bush was the inevitable right. nominee. And we saw how that turned out. And so, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, the political media establishment uh, sometimes operates in lockstep. And a movement can be missed. And now there are practical things that people are saying that people did not get out and talk to voters. Uh, I mean, it would have been very interesting if 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 the pollsters could have picked up the support among white women for uh, Donald Trump. And if we had heard more of that, I heard that and saw that in the end. I saw CNN at rallies. NPR actually was pretty early on going out and talking to supporters. But we uh, didn't hear it early enough to reshape the campaign. Well, I'm not sure we heard it early enough. And honestly, I think it I think it built. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, if you if you uh, can say, well, never mind what they're saying about me, they're not to be trusted. It's sort of a uh, a newer development in in the niche uh, media that we have today, uh, where people will believe a conspiracy theory because Donald Trump says, you know, Muslims were dancing on 9/11, and right. no matter what the media did, I mean, this is actually one of the most disturbing aspects to me, no matter what people did to say that's not true, we fact-checked it, it it was out there. No, that that without a doubt is one of the most shocking and outrageous parts of how this unfolded. But first, let me say, Terry, I really appreciate you 
being with us while you struggle through this and sharing your question with us and for listening to Women at Work. If there's anybody else who would like to call in, you can reach us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And, Jane, we have another caller. Brad's calling from Maryland. Um, Brad, thank you for listening to Women at Work and calling in. What's on your mind? Uh, how you doing today? Fine, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Can't complain. Um, I'd like to preface, I guess, my side of things with that I am um, not for Donald Trump in any way. Um, I am, I'd say I'm much more probably an independent um, to the point of I think that the two-party system is one of the biggest problems with our country and why things turn out the way they do. Um, limited options, special interests, etc. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've been hearing, and I'm just curious to, is a lot of what we're hearing about without Hillary being elected is that you know, it's that it's some sort of a strike against women. And uh, I don't know that I can wholeheartedly agree with that because I live in an area where there is a lot of people that support Trump. There are bumper stickers, yard signs everywhere. And I ask people, just I'm curious by nature. I mean, I think he's a, a, he's a moron. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I remember him from his television days. I don't see it. But say, why do you, you know, what what's your take on it? Why do you like that? And I guess more things I hear is things of people that they don't trust Hillary Clinton, that her years and years of being engulfed in scandal and deceit sort of makes people a little leery. And I don't I wouldn't say I've not heard one person say I wouldn't vote for her because she was a woman. And also just because she's the first time a woman has really been in this part of the election because they're not elected. I don't know that that necessarily signals any kind of a disdain or a downward trend towards women, but. Just because Hillary Clinton's a woman does not mean that she was maybe the right woman to be the leader of our country. And I think that's how, from what I hear from people anyway, and I'm just curious to, I mean, I haven't heard many people discussing, you know, the email stuff today. You know, the, um, I mean, her foreign policy stuff, which I don't agree with, but I haven't agreed with a foreign policy person (laughs) in a long time. I mean, I think we intervene far too much. I don't believe that there's moderate rebels in Syria. I think we're just arming ISIS. I mean, I... So, Brad, you're bringing up a really key thing that we were starting to talk about earlier, which is to what degree was it that she's a woman, that it's this particular woman, that it's Hillary Clinton, um, or is it her political past? So, Jane, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I I think that's a very good point. And um, I think you have to it's you have to parse out i think why a lot of women that i know and i myself am discouraged is is not really frankly so much i think what's what's a punch to the gut is that a man who talks like this just was elected president that's that's what it really comes down to and and are we rewarding uh are we rewarding that kind of talking about women i mean it is i agree with you a lot of people felt a lot of voters said they didn't trust Hillary Clinton. The email server bothered them. The years of of her being in the in the limelight and controversy about her, uh, questions about this, you know, the 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 potential possibility of ties uh, between the Clinton Foundation. I mean, a lot of people have not trusted the Clintons. Uh, again, you know, her supporters would say a lot of that was bogus. You know, that she caused somebody's you know, that Vince Foster was murdered. I mean, there's so much crazy stuff out there about her. But, I mean, people who voted for change voted for him. So she didn't make the case that she was for change. 
And he, you know, he very effectively said, you've had 30 years, which again, really isn't fair, but it seems to have been a handle. Uh, and calling her crooked Hillary. I mean, unfortunately, that's a handle you can get your mind around. And obviously, a lot of people agreed with Donald Trump on that. So I, I guess my personal reaction is more a man who speaks this way, who's now the leader of the free world, that he talks that way about women is, I think, what's really bothering a lot of women. Mm. Well, Brad, I really appreciate, A, you listening and calling in and your thoughtful perspective on it. So thank you for listening to Women at Work. If anybody else would like to join the conversation, you can reach us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And the phones are very busy today. So next, Kathy's calling from Canada. Kathy, thank you so much for calling Women at Work. What's on your mind? I just want to say that I support Trump. I congratulate him on doing a well job. And I think you guys need to get behind him now and, and stop all this rhetoric about what he said and what he did and, and just get behind him. I think he's going to do a good job for you guys. I appreciate the enthusiasm and that you called in. It's important to hear from both sides of, of the discussion right now. Um, Jane, do you want to add anything? Well, no, I no, I don't. I mean, I think that... Uh, I mean, you, you started by asking me how I feel today. It doesn't mean I'm not going to uh, support the president of the United mm-hmm. States. Uh, and and I, that's what that's what that's how our country works. Um, I think it's a very. I think I think there are many many threads to this. So, you know, I uh, obviously a lot of people uh, think he may shake things up, and and uh, we'll have to see what actually happens. Absolutely. So I happen to be talking with Jane Hall. She's an expert in the realm of media and politics, a former Fox News Channel media commentator, professor of journalism at Media Studies in the School of Communication at American University. So, Kathy, I just want to say thank you again for calling in. And um, to kind of reiterate what Jane was saying, you know, we happen to hear um, President Obama's speech today, um, Secretary Clinton's speech today, and they were important reminders that we have an internal debate that's going on as we select our leadership and that as a country, we still accept the decisions of the election and row together. We are on the same team when it comes to our place in the rest of the world. But I would also, um, and I think it's part of what we're doing by talking about this on today's show, is talking about what does this mean? Our discourse really has been impacted by the campaign. Um, and how does the election then affect the way that we talk with each other and we address these things going forward? If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can reach us at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. I would like to... Uh, Derek's calling from Michigan. So, Derek, thank you so much for calling Women at Work. What's on your mind? Hi, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Great. Um, this is my first election stateside since I was in grade school. I've uh, been overseas since since I was 17. I'm turning 30, and uh, and I'm really excited to. I was really excited to see everything. And I was in Germany when Angela Merkel was uh, elected, and I was in South Korea when President Park was elected. And it was. I was a bit disappointed though with. Uh, I guess, the level of professionalism that happened during this election. Um, I don't know. It just seems like I, I I didn't want either candidate to win because, and I didn't vote for either candidate. I voted for a third party because I, I didn't I didn't like the, the clarity on Clinton's side and her lack of, of what she was 
really going to accomplish and do that she stood for and why I should stand with her. And then you have Trump on the other side who, um, as a businessman, you know, he has his pros and cons, but I, I, I couldn't take him seriously because, and I still can't, I mean, his, his speech that he gave was, was, was actually pretty good, but I know someone who's a bully and an antagonist and, and uh, picking on people's looks and, uh, and the sexist comments, I just, I couldn't take him seriously. And when I went to vote, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't elect either one for the fact that I would like to see a female president of the United States. I have um, studied the German system. I went to a German university, and I've seen some of the good things and the bad things Angela Merkel has done. And I would like to see a female president of the United States, but I didn't want to vote for her because she was a woman. And when I looked at her as just a candidate, I didn't see and trust her to be the president. And that's, that's pretty much what I'm feeling about the whole election. I'm kind of lost as to where we're, we're going. I, I appreciate both um, your lack of clarity about what lies ahead and also your listening and joining in the conversation today. Jane, do you have anything you'd like to, to respond with? Well, no, I, th- I think it is. Uh, well, I do think it's important to, to note that um, a lot of people voted for Hillary Clinton and a lot of people voted for Donald Trump. And, um, you know, obviously there are people who felt she didn't make the case, I mean, and that she was untrustworthy. Uh, and parsing out what part of that is gender is, is a difficult is a difficult thing to do. Um I think the impact on our discourse, which is what you're you're talking about, uh, and on the self-esteem of people, and frankly, fears. I mean, I have uh, I have heard about and talked to people who say that there are kids who are scared, you know, that their parents are going to be deported, and you know, people who's who are Muslim. I mean, the 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 whether Trump is going to act on these things remains to be seen. But what what was said was was beyond what we've had at least in in modern american campaigns uh and i think that's really what a lot of people are are struggling with today who are trying to assess this uh it is true a lot of people didn't feel she made the case and he emerged as the change agent and that is on her in some way um as to as to why the case wasn't made or why the democratic party perhaps missed um, workers who feel that these trade policies under Bill Clinton, NAFTA, um, you know, she said she would move away from that. But, but again, she seemed to come to that somewhat, somewhat late. So, you know, I don't mean to imply it was all about whether she was a woman or not. It's just there are a lot of different factors and a lot of things feel as if they've been unleashed <laughs> in our culture. It's true. Derek, thank you so much for calling and for voting. Really do appreciate it. Um, if you'd like to join the conversation, you can reach us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866 here on Women at Work. Um, next, we have Steve calling in from Dallas. Oh, I think we actually lost Steve. Um, so in that case, I would like to, t- uh, I think Annette's calling from New York. Annette, what's on your mind? Hi. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. Of course. Yes, we can hear you great. So tell us, what's on your mind today? Well, um, I have a 20-year-old daughter who has poured her heart and soul into Hillary's campaign in Pennsylvania. Um, She's absolutely inconsolable today. I'm actually driving five hours to go uh, try and bolster her morale. 
Uh, she thinks we're on the brink of World War III, nuclear war. Uh, she sees nothing but gloom and doom ahead. Can you put into perspective for, for me to help her? Uh, what what actually can happen? My daughter's like, he'll repeal Roe versus Wade, gay marriage, blah, blah. You know, how feasible is this that he can accomplish what he says? He, I can't even say his name, sorry, Trump, says he, he plans to do. Jane, what do you think? <laughs> well, I can certainly identify with 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 uh, trying to talk to your daughter and trying to take the the long view. Uh, and uh, we've been in tough times, and you know, if, if tough times for people who feel they were their their people were not elected. Uh, and I do think social change is you know, is ongoing. I mean, I, one thing that I, I told Laura was, you know, I noticed there were a number of women who were just elected and reelected mm-hmm. to the Senate, uh, you know, re- Republican and Democrat. Uh, I don't really know, and I don't think anybody knows how Donald Trump is, is going to govern. I doubt if he knows how he's going to govern. I mean, the things that he said uh, about our alliances are troubling to people in, in, in Europe and elsewhere. Uh, many things are troubling about what kind of foreign policy he would have. I mean, he has said he's going to do things about infrastructure. He put forth a child care, uh, paid, you know, paid leave uh, through his daughter Ivanka. Um, we really don't know. I mean, I suspect that there will be a movement to do away with Obamacare. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to make good on, if I were guessing, probably going to make good on that. Uh, but, but you know, they, it's not as if he has been elected uh, you know, dictator. He, he's been elected <laughs> president. Uh, and even though he has control of the Republican House, um, it takes six sen- 60 senators to pass a bill. And, um, you know, the people who uh, have been have been on on the Hillary Clinton and Democratic side or, or you know, they're Tim, you know, they're not they're not going to go away. Uh, I, I think I think it's hard for for a young person who worked for her not to feel really downhearted. But I mean, the point that Hillary Clinton was making was, please don't feel downhearted and give up. Uh, right. and, the, and the arc of change, you know, uh, Martin Luther King said, and I think he was quoting someone else, you know, but the arc of the arc of of things changing, uh, you know, it's slow. And if this was a reaction to a feeling of elitism and, and voicelessness, we do need to listen to that. Uh, we really do. Um, why people feel left behind and what can be done about that. I mean, those are serious questions. Um, there are a lot of people who aren't feeling the economic recovery. So, you know, I can, I, I guess all you can say is you, you can't give up. I mean, people, are, young people especially can't give up on whatever it is they feel deeply about. They should be they should be continuing. Uh, I don't think the whole world changed today, um, and we do have a system of government that, you know, if Trump is smart, he is, you know, he is going to need to work with Republicans who didn't agree with him. Uh, so, you know, he this is going to be very interesting to see. 
That's for sure. Absolutely. And Annette, if it's any comfort, I recommend Jennifer Weiner wrote a great um, piece. I think it was in the New York Times. If you Google Jennifer Weiner voting with my daughters, and she talks about what it was, how, what have we learned from this, and how do we put it to use going forward? And as Jane was saying, you know, one, um, we're looking at a finite period of time, and while we feel an enormous loss, and we should especially the campaign workers, and the people who put so much into the election effort. Um, Your daughter deserves time to grieve and also time to honor what she did and to know that so many people are grateful for that effort. And the fact that we had a woman candidate who won the popular vote is a testimony to how many people were touched and affected by her work. Um, But also, as we know, this is an ongoing process. And even if Hillary had won, We know. We saw it play out through the campaign. It was real evidence that we have to continue working both at our societal structures and our internal tools and mechanisms to help women join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace, and in particular in public life and politics. And so I hope that she gets a good rest, that she's enormously proud of the work that she did and that she did with her friends and colleagues, and that she knows we're grateful for it, but that there are going to be a lot of other elections where we're going to need her energy. So Annette, thank you so much for calling Women at Work and for listening. We really appreciate it. Jane, I have to tell you, this has really been an extraordinary show. It's been a gift to have you here. And believe it or not, we have lots of callers that we unfortunately don't have time for today. Oh, so well, I'm like, glad. I, I'm glad to hear that. And and again, you know, I um, well, I'm glad. <laughs> I, uh, if we hadn't scheduled this a while ago, I'm, I, you know, uh, I'm. It, I, I think it was a good thing to do, and I appreciate your <laughs> questions, and I appreciate the callers. And again, I mean, the one thing I want to say that I think we do need to say is, I mean, it is discouraging for people who were who were for Hillary Clinton, and there are trends in our culture that are disturbing. But I mean, you have to assume, as as Hillary Clinton said today, you have to go at this with an open mind and um, help this man who just got elected. Um, do the best he can. I mean, that Absolutely. sounds very Pollyanna, but it is true, and but, you cannot impute. I mean, Jane, as discouraging as it is, you can't impute bad motives uh, to everybody who voted. It's true. Election. And so on that, Jane, I'd love to say thank you for joining us on Women at Work. Thank you so much to all of our callers, our whole production team. I'm Laura Zarrow here on, business, on Women at Work on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. We will look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you.